Welcome to the Lifebox Media Channel Radio Podcast. Today we have the esteemed pleasure of having one of the best magicians out there. We heard about this, been all over the place recently, Mr. Johnny Magic. How are you? Doing good. How are you today? Very good, my friend. Very good. Thank you for coming on. Hey, thanks for having me. I appreciate it a lot. How are you doing holding up in all this uh, stuff going on in the world right now? Well, you know, I mean, in the midst of all this, you know, I try and focus on some of the positives of it. And the positives are, is while I may not be working as much, it's allowed to have a lot of free time that, A, I can spend with my son, and B, I work on, a, you know, a lot of new material. So when we come back, our goal is to have the show stronger than ever. So I've been trying to use it to my advantage, I guess. So I'm hanging in there. You know, I'm, I'll tell you what, I love that, you know, and I love, obviously, you know, as I point out to musicians, entertainers of all types, if you don't play, you don't get paid. And that can be rough right, right. now, for sure. Um, yes. But at the, at the same time, putting a positive spin on it as best as you can is that you're working on new tricks and, and new illusions and everything else it is. And that's, that's really, really cool. How did you get involved in magic? Oh, I, basically, I think I kind of got into it the same way a lot of young boys do. I, there was an interesting study that showed a lot of young boys want to get into magic. I don't know why more boys than girls, but... Apparently, these boys all wanted to. So, you know, around seven, eight years old, I got that magic set, like most kids did for either their birthday or Christmas. And you learn a few tricks. And, you know, of course, when you first get into it, you're thinking you're going to really learn how to make something disappear or whatnot, not realizing that it's all an illusion. Because, I mean, who wouldn't want to learn how to make something float or disappear? You know? right. But uh, it started with like a magic kit from my parents. And then from there, it was. I'll be honest, I was a little disappointed at first because I was like, well, this is just a trick. And then you do it for like your brother or your mom and dad. And they're like, well, it still looked impressive to us. And so it's like, really? And then you do it for some friends and then they're all begging, well, how did you do that? And you realize, wow, this is cool. This is really, <laughs> this is something. So it started pretty much with a magic kit and, you know, watching some shows. I'm sure magicians came to our school at some point, but that, that was the beginning was that magic kit for me. And, and, you know, who influenced you growing up, man? When you watched, you know, magicians on TV, who, who influenced you growing up? Were, were you the uh, the heir of the Blackstones, Harry Blackstone Juniors? Or you were the David Copperfields and Doug Hennings? What was your, I don't want to miss anybody there, but, you know, they were the most ones. You oh, were, or, or the Houdini types or what? Well, growing up, as you know, I'm in my 30s now. The biggest influence that I wanted to be the most like, I guess you could say, was Lance Burton. And Lance Burton had a Vegas show, but he did, I think, three different television programs. Yeah. And I, that's who I really wanted to be like, because he just had this understated confidence, real nice guy, and that's who I wanted to be. I didn't want to come across as somebody that was arrogant on stage of, you know, hey, look, I'm doing something you can't. It was more of, hey, let's have fun and enjoy this together. Uh, I did watch the David Copperfield specials growing up, and that was also a big influence because it was the big elaborate production. But then also, growing up in the, the 90s era, they used to have those old shows, World's Greatest Magic. I think they came on around Thanksgiving time every year, which was just, you know, a whole bunch of different illusionists and magicians. So you got to see a little bit of everybody's style. So those shows were very helpful in the sense of, oh, I could choose to be more like this, do some comedy with it, or I could be more serious and kind of pick and choose. But if you were to narrow it down to one, I'd say Lance Burton was who I always kind of aspired to be like on stage. And I think somehow he kind of gets, uh, you know, forgotten in the mix, especially in the television mix of things in a great oh, yeah. magician. And, uh, I think underrated in today's standards. I mean, uh, 
by things. And it's not just the, the, the big illusions, you know, and don't get me wrong. I know and I love David Copperfield and Doug Hanning and all those guys that were great, but Lance Burton's one I, I actually actually fell off my radar for a minute. I'm glad you brought him up. Um, but your style, how do you, how do you describe your style now that you've you know grown and matured as a magician? Is what I'm sorry, I cut it out a little there. Sorry. I, I said, how do you describe your style? You know, today compared to a lot of those magicians we were just talking about. You know, the comedy, right. the fun, the seriousness. Um, or well, did you mix it all together? I try to mix it all together. And see, one of the big things for me is I, I don't like to, to build that we do comedy magic. Even though we do, I try and have situational comedy in the show that maybe things aren't going right or the kid that I pull up on stage, we mess it up together, which is all part of the plan, but it makes for funny moments. And so if I downplay the comedy, people at the show end up saying, man, that was hilarious. But if you go in and say, hey, I'm a comedy or you know, comedian, comic magician, then they're expecting right there. It's like, all right, make me laugh. So I never wanted to have that pressure, but we do try and have really good, funny moments. And as far as tying it together, I wanted the class of Lance Burton. But like so many even musicians out there, you know, the musicians, they have to evolve. Take someone like a Madonna or whoever it might be to stay relevant and going through the years. I, you know, I don't wear the tuxedo or anything, but at the same time as trying to keep up with having the lights be the equivalent of like a good rock concert or a country music concert, is that your lights, your sound, your special effects, they need to match the magic as well as the comedy because then you're offering a complete whole package of the show. It's not just, oh, well, it's a magic show. No, it's we want it to be a whole entertaining experience that the lights, the girls in the show dancing, um, like I said, the comedy, all of it. We, that's kind of the style we go for is we want the whole production to be equal to what just the magic effect is. And so now you're that's working on stuff now at home to uh, just to improve it and make it even bigger and better. That's right. Yeah. In fact, uh, I joke because uh, it looks like a disco in my living room because I've got all these different biggest lights and I'm like playing with them, trying to get them all to work. And I'm like, Oh look, I didn't even know this light had that feature. So I do a lot of the lighting program myself, or at least learn enough about it that I can then tell a light and sound person, hey, this is kind of, I know this light can do this. I want it to do this when I go through a fan or when I, you know, whatever the effect might be, that it'll complement the magic. I, I, I always sit there and say when I go to a music studio, you know, I, I don't know all the buttons to push. So when I talk to the, the producers, hey, man, look, you want this. And he, he's the one that, you know, says, okay, boom. And he makes the magic of that part, so to speak. But, you know, you're getting the idea to tell somebody even what to do. If you can't do it yourself, you know exactly what. And then, boom, you got the man to do it. Right. And, and actually something, because we are doing illusions, you know, we're trying to portray these things that are impossible. Often you can bring in somebody that is an amazing artistic director with lighting or whatnot. And they have great ideas. But then... You have to almost like, I don't want to say tear them down, but you have to give them a new paradigm, if you will, because what looks great and the lighting does look awesome, it may actually give away the secret the way that they want to light it. <laughs> and so they'll show you and say, look at how cool this lighting is. And it's like, that's great. But I can't do anything with that light that's right there. We have to take out these three lights and put them in front of this. And they go, well, that would throw off the symmetry. And I'm like, but well, right now it's exposing the method of how I'm doing the effect. And so you have to break down the paradigm of if you're used to lighting a rock and roll show or a country music show, I sounded like my dad there, a rock and roll show. But anyway, <laughs> is, that, is that any sort of concert is it, you got to light it slightly different. And I don't mean make it darker per se. It's just, you, just 
you got angles and different beams of light and different colors that can either make or break a trick sometimes. So uh, once you get them on your page to realize that you appreciate what they're doing, but it also has to work so that what we're trying to do is accomplished. Once you get that teamwork going, it really makes something beautiful. It's just, like you said, you got to break that wall down. Yeah, you can't have the shadow of the lady crawling underneath the table. You know, everybody oh exactly. <laughs> yes, pay no attention to that woman that's crawling out from the wings and going straight to the table. Yeah, you can't have that. So. And I'm not exposing a trick on making a joke. You know, so that's right. <laughs> but I mean, but you know, so now now you've gotten a lot of news recently and a lot of publicity recently um, for making an appearance in the huge hit, the Tiger King. Yes, yeah, actually making an unplanned appearance in Tiger King. Uh, ironically, is that I was talked to about doing something with Tiger King. I declined, and with the Tiger King thing, they still somehow managed to find some footage that it barely showed me. They weren't, they didn't even mention me. It just had a picture for about, or a video, I should say, for about three to five seconds. And I could not believe the amount of people that messaged me and are like, is this you? And they would take a screenshot of their sh of the show and send it to me on Facebook or email. Meanwhile, my brother watches the show, has no clue that I was even on it. And it's like, <laughs> okay, my brother didn't recognize me, but these people that have come to a show one time saw it in five seconds. But yeah, it's been it's been a lot of attention towards that. It's, that's it's amazing a crazy that story. Your your own family, and that that's reality. I mean, your own family, you know. Are you sure that was you? You know what I mean? <laughs> exactly. And they go back and watch it 12 to I'll be damn, it was you. You know what I mean? Uh, but that, right. You know, and, and it's, it's. I mean, it, it's grown huge attention. I mean, you, you were uh, pointed out to me by numerous people before you and I even met. Um, right. It was That's kind crazy. of funny that talking about, you know, that everybody's talking about the Tiger King, you know, and talking about different spots. And all of a sudden, you were brought up. She was just on the show yeah. the other day. And just brought it up, and even she was excited that I was having you on. <laughs> yeah. It is wild. I mean, the attention from it, and of course, I think something that helped, it is an interesting story, but I think something else that did help is people were locked in their homes, and that's why I think there was such a binge-watching. Granted, there are the same people that might have watched it anyway and binge-watched it. Right. Who knows? Um, and that's, it, it is an interesting story. It, it's actually unfortunate in many levels, the story of Joe Exotic. But it is, it is definitely it's a story that needs to be told, and there's so many mixed feelings from so many people, and I feel if they actually knew the whole story, they might have a different view and outlook on the whole situation, just because, you know, the way that that show was produced, they, there were so many different elements going on, is that everyone was looking to find a bad guy, and it was almost who's the lesser of two evils, in a sense, on the show, but, uh, you know, Joe's obviously getting quite a bit of attention now, which... Subsequently, I'm now getting some attention from because I was working with Joe to do fundraisers for the animal park long before he was Joe Exotic. And so it was, we were, Joe was actually doing a good thing and we were trying to raise money for these animals that were part of a sanctuary. It was the GW Exotic Animal Park and Sanctuary, a no-kill sanctuary, and they didn't go out purchasing animals, they were rescuing these animals. So I did have a small attachment for a very short period of time, but it was that, hey, we were trying to help make sure that these animals, the profits of our show, were helping feed these animals that were being rescued. But then there were some red flags, and I won't get into all of that, but is that some red flags happened, and I was like, okay, I think I, my time here is done. So about eight months to a year later, working with them, I said, you know, I'm out. I, I'm going to go do my own thing. So. 
And this was and then I thought that name would never come up again. <laughs> right. And this was back in the very, very beginning, though, when basically everything you saw of it, it was a sanctuary. It was it was a no-kill area. It was to help the animals in every which way you knew it and saw it, right? Correct. I mean, the, they had a 100% of our ticket sales from our shows were going to feed the animals, which is how we do to this day any charity show we put on. We make sure that it's not like, oh, a small portion of the proceeds. No, it's 100% of the ticket sales go to exactly what it's said uh, to be supporting. So I'm very picky in that sense when I do try and find a charity to work with because there are different controversies with some charities. I mean, they're all trying to do their own thing, but some people, unfortunately, which as you see from that story, it turns into less about what the charity is about and making money. And that's, I think, part of the problem with the Tiger King himself. But it's a, uh, yeah, recently I've just been bombarded with people wanting to know Tiger King stuff. And I even posted a post on my Facebook and I was like, just basically, yes, this is, this was that, this, no, this. And I just stated off a bunch of facts because I got tired of responding to the emails. I'm like, here it is. It's on Facebook. Here's what I do know. And here's what I don't know. And then finally, uh, we got approached to do something for a television special. And I said, eh, you know what? I think it would be good to share my part of it because Along with the attention came some negative attention. Some people believe that I was exploiting exotic animals. Well, you know, when I was there, this is 2003, 2004, it was not exploiting animals. In my view, it was doing everything we could to help these animals. Later on down the road, yes, I think the park, when it started becoming and called a zoo, then it maybe started exploiting more. But I didn't feel that anything was being done wrong when I first went to that place. So, in fact, to hear more about it, it's coming out real soon. It's going to be on uh, Discovery ID or Investigation Discovery, whichever people call it both. But it's going to be on that uh, June 7th. I don't know the time, but there'll be commercials all coming up real soon. But June 7th on Investigation Discovery, Discovery ID, and it's going to be called Joe Exotic Before He Was King. So if you get a chance, you can tune in there. I tell a few more stories there about kind of my time, my short stint with the park and how I saw the red flags and how I was starting to say, maybe I need to cut ties. And then I, I of course, went my separate way. I never thought I would hear the name Joe Exotic ever again in my lifetime. And then here we are that it's the number one, it was the number one show and it's just crazy how much it blew up. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm still, and, and you know, we, we spoke last week and I wanted to watch it before we came on the air today. And it's just I, you know, I, I watch a hundred movies a year, and uh, right. and that's just for the show, <laughs> I mean, right? You know, not including if you know, and you know this from you know, you know, if if you see something, it's just because you're doing it for magic or you're doing it for a show or whatever. And so I wanted to do it. It just did not fit in the scheduling, and uh, but I've I've heard so much about it. And here's the funny thing, you know, I, I wanted to also have the opportunity of you to come on and say, look, you know what, your intentions when you were there and what you saw was X, was this. This is way back beforehand, and it was a sanctuary, animal sanctuary, and that's the part at least that on air, at least along our audience, which is we have a fantastic audience, is that you can sit there and say, hey, look, you know what, like a lot of things, sometimes things start out really good intentions or, or what you know it is really good intentions. And then, you know, you made your way out of there before it maybe you, know, you saw a couple of red flags or whatever, but your knowledge and what you're doing, it was, you know, it was for the good. 
Well, exactly. Well, and that's even part of why I wanted to go the route I did is not wanting to be a part of that show is not knowing how it was going to be portrayed. They were obviously, to some degree, trying to sensationalize it. But that's when, you know, Discovery ID wanted to do something. I was like, well, this is a more credible source of wanting to get just the facts, you know, like that old dragnet, just the facts, man. Right. But, and that's the truth. I didn't want this drama. I didn't want a reality show. Uh, there's enough drama with the true story, but it's a matter, you know, no blurred lines on it is. Uh, I felt more comfortable doing something with Discovery ID. It, but I think, I think it'll be an interesting, uh, an interesting tale because their stories are known for kind of doing the psychological profile of, you know, the road people go down and how they became who they become. I mean, and that could be with anything, whether it's a, you know, you interviewing a guest uh, and not saying that they go down a bad path, but just the interesting path of what's the difference of, you know, it's like those old books, Choose Your Own Adventure. I don't know if you remember those. When I was a kid, they were big. Yeah. But, you know, it's, okay, you go down this path and, you know, maybe you become the next, you know, um, Wayne Newton or whoever it might be, you know, or you take this path and next thing you know, you're in prison for whatever reason. And it's like, so it, it, it's interesting, the psychological side of it. And that's what also intrigued me about doing that interview on, on that topic. Well, I, I, think, I think it's great. Then you, you have kind of a say in it also that, that right. uh, you know, at least you know what you're saying on, on this show. And nothing, right. I, I, have, I, don't, I don't know. Like I said, I haven't even seen it yet to say what, you know, and I wasn't there for the production of, of the Tiger King, you know, series. But at least, you know, here you have a say-so. And, and I like it to get out there, you know. And, and the idea that you're going to be on, a, you know, a show and Discovery ID coming up, that everybody can go tune in and watch and hear a couple of the bits you have to say, a couple of bits other people have to say, and they can form their own opinions from there. But at least, you know, you can kind of get your story out here. And, uh, you know, and, I, and I think it's really cool because, you know, hey, look, you know what? The positive rub, run with. The negative rub, you, you, you bury because it's not, you know, you didn't have anything negative to do with anything. You, know, you bury that part and you run on its way with it, you know, and, and your intentions right. were good. And that's how that, you know, that's, that's how you can feel about it. Right. Uh, I mean, I think it's all, it, it, it was just, it was all a crazy time in my life. I mean, my mom actually said when I was there, cause I was 19, she said, do you have a lack of fear or a lack of common sense? Because here we were around all these exotic animals. And even the fact that they were in the enclosures at the park, just the idea of working at a place that there are exotic animals that could kill you if they wanted to, I guess that scared my mother. Uh, it was like, hey, you know, it, it's really? safe. We're just raising money for these animals, so. But you can scare my mother, really. <laughs> well, I always had a thing is that it was like was you know eighteen on. I never wanted to stress my mother out on things, and that even went for later on. Like I was one day, I decided I'm going to go skydiving, and I didn't tell a soul, and that was for two reasons. One, I didn't want my mother to know. I didn't want her to worry, and two. I didn't want all my friends to know because I thought, if I told everybody, I've got to do it. There's no backing out, and if I do back out, I'm a chicken. So if I don't tell anybody I'm going to go skydiving, I can go skydiving and back out, and nobody will even know. So I didn't tell a soul. Now, as soon as I hit the ground, with the chute, of course, not yeah, so once I landed, I guess I should say, I called mom, and I said, guess what I just did? And she goes, skydiving. I said, how did you know? She goes, well, I just thought of the stupidest thing you could do today, and uh, said it. And I'm like... Well, you were right, Mom. So, but uh, yeah, you that really was, do know that me, Mom. Yeah. <laughs> oh Lord, yes, she does. I mean, and, and, see, I, I love that point, and I think that's point that is, that you make sometimes to somebody with certain things is that that uh, you know you, you you if you announce it, 
then it's really hard to back out. You know, you go and do it. You say, right. okay, ta-da. You know, as I would say in your world, ta-da, boom, there you are. You know, I mean, well, no, I that's know. even like with the show. I mean, like right now, that's one of the things we're working on. In fact, this will be the first announcement of it is I am training, preparing right now that later in the year, I'm planning to do an underwater escape. Now, when I was 15, I got locked underwater in a Houdini milk can, and my my dad and I knew the dangers of it, but we kind of downplayed it to mom, that it was like, oh, it's safe, blah, 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 you know, we made it, well, it, let's even just say for the sake of argument, because some people will say, oh, it's just a trick. Let's say it is a trick, and you got trick locks, or even if you had the key, or whatever it might be, you still have to be underwater long enough to open all the locks, even if you have the key. And hopefully the lock doesn't jam because it's underwater. And so we never let mom know all those dangers. But so like right now, uh, well, back then at 15, after I did it once, I said, ah, I'm not doing that ever again. But here I am now, a few years older. We won't mention how many, but yeah, a few years older. I say, you know what? I'm going to do it again. I'm going to get locked underwater. And we plan on doing it in the fall around Halloween. I'm probably going to do it about 60 times in the month of September, October like end of September, early October. It's uh, 60 times I'll get locked underwater. And so now that I've announced it with you is I better do it because I can't chicken out. And last minute, be like, <laughs> right. oh, I changed my mind. We'll, we'll have you so. back on and say, hey, Johnny Magic, how'd that work? You know, well, I chickened out. Yeah, no, you can't. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. You're going to hold me to it. So yeah, but that, that is the goal. And it's funny. And we, we strongly suggest, kids, you do not attempt this stuff at home. Hell, no. Adults, I don't even I want agree. you to attempt this at home. Um, and and I'll, point out, I'll point out something is that, you know, look, look, I'm one of those guys that can hold you can hold their breath forever, you know. But people don't realize that, okay, first of all, now you're stuffing somebody in, in a container, you know. Right. Now you're going to get stressed. Now you're going to be moving around. Now you, you have to do whatever you have to do in the trick. And, and right. something goes wrong or like you see on TV, the guy drops the key. Whoops. Right. You know, right. that can happen to anybody as great as you can be. And for whatever yep. reason, you know, you get water in your eye, whatever, you know, you get something, you know, a dot in your eye, whatever. And boom, it hits the ground. And now you have to calmly try to get or whatever it happens to be, you have to do to move on to the next phase of it. And yeah, it kind of would have been smart to have a uh, magical, uh, you know, help me. You got to open up the can type sign, you know. When you when you were a right. kid doing that, you know, it'd have been really smart to uh, have your uh, you know your your safe word or safe uh, signal to right. To, but those are the things you really experience. <laughs> well, and that's the beauty. The milk can was totally solid. It wasn't like his uh, the upside down escape. This one was a it looks like a metal milk can, okay. almost like an urn. Which that's not reassuring. Is here I'm gonna get locked in a dangerous escape, and they're putting me in something that. You get cremated and put in, but okay. So, <laughs> right. I mean, I guess I never thought of that till just now, but the, the milk Thanks, can, there was no way of knowing. <laughs> yeah, but at least this one is a glass or plexiglass, uh, uh, I don't want to call it a cage, a case, but it's a plexiglass case, and so everybody can see me throughout there. But yeah, like you said, uh, the guy that I'm training with, he even worked with me, and he's like, okay, we want you to practice doing this in the dark now. And it's like, you don't think about it, but yes, it's glass, but you can't see uh, when the lights are on it. There's a weird glare. And ultimately, I can't see that well underwater anyway. Right. I mean, and so, I mean, who can? But I mean, I have a hard time opening my eyes at all. It's just amazing the difference practicing it with no water, but making it in a pitch black room that you can't see. 
it does change the element. I mean, it sounds hokey because even a buddy of mine harassed me and said, what, you're scared of the dark? I said, no, it's an issue of, it changes all elements of everything. Is that if you're so familiar with doing it where you can see, you don't want to practice it unless it's a condition like you're going to do. And uh, one of my biggest fears, of course, is it not going right. But the second fear is I'm scared of that cold water. I've seen Titanic. It doesn't, it doesn't end well. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. At least not for Leo, it doesn't. <laughs> that's right. Couldn't she have shared the door? Come on. But anyway, that's, that's a whole Oh, man, story. we're going to get some stuff for that one. But I say it all the time. Oh. So, you know, it was. But I mean, uh, <laughs> that's great. I love that. Was, every, anybody who knows or is listening to the show, I've talked about this. That's one of the things I always joke about. So that you just fit right in there, man. Um, my well, and that's something I try and stress, too, is I, my goal is never to offend anybody. When you come to our show, if we do some comedy or whatever, if we make a little a joke, I try and steer away from a lot of topics, you know, politics, religion, all those things. But, you know, it happens that you maybe make some little joke. And in this world, so many people are hypersensitive. And I think they forget sometimes. Like a comedian can get away with saying almost anything. But in the magic show, it's like, look, I'm just doing this for a little laugh. I mean no disrespect. We're here to have fun. Our show is called Reality and the, with a big question mark because the idea of the show is I want you to leave all your stress behind. I want you to leave your reality behind. So instead of focusing on, say, like right now, the COVID stuff or focusing on your mortgage, your bills, you know, whatever's going on in your life, if we can distract you for that hour and a half, and take you away from there where you are in awe. And if you're an adult, you feel like a kid again. If you're a kid, you're having fun. And if you can be taken away to a whole other world, it's an amazing thing. And so the reason we came up with even the whole reality concept for theming the show was we do a lot of children's hospital shows. And with the children's hospital shows, that show we call Laughter is Magic. And it's because we go to these hospitals. We can't always go room to room, but... They are amazing. Some of these hospitals for kids these days have live broadcast and studios in them. That wow. they'll film it, it, it goes to each of the rooms, and then the kids that are able to come down can come to the cafeteria or the studio where we're performing it. But we get these emails afterwards, and it's the most rewarding because these aren't paid shows. I mean, I actually, I'm losing money by doing it because I, I still have to pay my crew, but I don't mind because it's fun. And the kids... The nurses will be like, man, the kids are still talking about that. And then you have doctors that are talking and saying, you know, hey, we appreciate you coming out. Uh, you know, laughter and happiness, it raises endorphin levels. Endorphins promote healing. Right. So we really appreciate that. And these poor kids sometimes are in this room for days, weeks, months at a time. Right. So to break up that, that, that time spent there and make it a little more fun, uh, or hopefully make it fun, uh, under the uncircum uh, under the circumstances that are unfortunate is it's a real pleasure to do those things and it's, so we were like well how can we kind of take that same premise as let's make the adults have fun and you know you get engrossed in a cool movie same thing is you're watching that movie you're not in there watching the movie and thinking about oh my mortgage is due in two days you're wrapped up thinking whatever the show is oh man are they going to make it out of this one and you know it gave you that little mini vacation or escape from reality so. Right, and, and that's I'll tell, why we I'll do tell what you we this, do, and, and that's fantastic because children's hospitals and things like that are great, and you know to go to, and and yes, the parents do get an escape, and and you know sometimes I mean you know whether you whether you make a joke that you know goes all the over the kid's head, and I don't care which side of the fence it's on, or you know sometimes you just kind of like tag something on either side or area personified. It's 
It's the old joke of you going to, you know, if you want to draw heat, you go into an Eagle Stadium with a Dallas Cowboys shirt on. You know, what I mean, um, you know, right. But but it's it's it, it, it is as a uh, as an entertainer, you know, it might be for the fun of it. You know, might you might be doing it for the pop and just ah, you know, or or you might have an Eagle jersey on and say, okay, boom, and you got an Eagle jersey. On. That never happened with right. me. That never happened with right. me. But, um, <laughs> but you know, give respect to the Eagles, but. Um, no, um, it, it's just, I'm just saying is I think it's really cool. And, you know, here's the thing I think people don't realize is you can see a lot of, I've seen a lot of these, uh, tricks and illusions exposed. And just because right. you know how to do it doesn't mean you can. And you and I had this conversation the other day, quick, what, what was the, when you see like, when you see illusions and, you know, you and I was talking out on the phone and you see this big illusion on TV. And you know step by step how it's done as as the guy in the crowd, you know, and I sit there and I explain to you about a certain, you know, a certain trick. I sit there and says, just because I could explain it to you one through five, there's not a chance in the world that I could do it. And I think that's what's amazing that even if you know how to do the trick, it takes a lot of practice, hard work, and dedication and discipline to get some of these things to be so you know, fluid and, you know, liquid. Right. It, it, and it does. I mean, it's, there's a lot more, you know, some, some of the magicians that do more close up stuff, it requires more sleight of hand, which I love doing card tricks and coin tricks. But then when you do the bigger stuff, the, like walking through a fan or getting locked under water, they think, Oh, you know, that they think maybe that doesn't take as much skill. And I, I often, when I hit a town, if I need extra stage hands, I'll go to the little magic club in town and say, Hey, anybody want to, you know, make a few bucks and help load in, load out. And then they kind of change their view. Cause they go, wow, I never realized all the hard work that went into even the big show because, you know, they think, Oh, well, you're just sticking swords in a box. How hard can that be? But they don't realize that, you know, I am depending on your you know, victim. Basically, <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> depending on your victim. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's true. That's right. But yeah, it's, there's just a whole different production side. And, there was a magician, and I don't want to misquote this, but I, I believe it was Blackstone. But some kid came up to this magician. I read this in a book years ago, and I thought it was interesting. It goes along with what you were saying, is that some young kid came up to this magician who I believe was Blackstone, but we'll just go off that. It was somebody that was prominent of the time. Right. And he goes, how, how many tricks do you know? And so this prominent magician says, well, I uh, do about 25 tricks. And, of course, this young kid was like, well, really? Because I know 572 or whatever it is. Right. And it goes along with what you're saying is that he goes, well, no, there's a difference between knowing how the trick is done and doing the trick. I mean, I can watch a magic show, and I can appreciate what the guy's doing, and it might even stump me a little if he does something a little different. But you start using other principles of how we do other effects, and you're like, okay, maybe he did like this or that. Just because I know how he's doing it, like you said, doesn't mean even I can do it. And so I thought it was interesting with that prominent magician and the kid is that the point was, hey, you know, it's kind of like a musician is that you may only sing 25 songs. Doesn't mean you, you know, you can't rehearse and sing the other songs or whatnot, but when that musician goes on tour, he sings the songs on his album. Same thing goes for us. We have to change it up just like musicians get new songs. But if I'm in Dallas one night and the next night I'm in Fort Worth and then the next night I'm in Austin and then we're up in Branson or then we're up in you know, Memphis or wherever it might be, or Nashville, is, is that we're doing the same show nightly. It's it's like our set list is I'm still, you know, 
getting myself cut in half or, you know, the swords or spikes are going into the box with the girl. And it all has to act like it's, you know, the first time we've ever done it. But ultimately, I'm not out to learn a whole bunch of new magic. I'm there to perfect the current touring show we have. That's my goal anyway, is I'd rather <clears throat> do a, you know, a handful of tricks really well than knowing how thousands of tricks work. I don't know. I just, it made me think of that the way you said that. Is, yeah, and, and, I love for me, that. Is, and I love the, thank you. I love the explanation for that because, you know, it's funny, you know, and you mentioned Nashville, which we're right outside of right now. Thank you. Um, yes. You know, that it, it is one of those things. I just think that, you know, the craft is a, I don't, I don't know if I would say it's a dying art, but I don't, I don't, I don't know. And I might be wrong. I don't think there's as many magicians out there that were when I was growing up, you know, and I'm a little bit older than you, but you know, when I was growing up and I, and I think that, you know, it's, it's a great craft. And when you see it it's, and it's amazement and you see a really good magician, it's like, wow. And it's fluid and, you know, and, and they're confident, you know, you, you can have some fun and, and uh, at the same time, you know, I really appreciate because yeah. And, and those, those uh, skate tricks and those kind of things are a lot of discipline. Like I said, you can hold your breath for a month, but, you know, if, if all of a sudden one bad thing goes wrong and you're moving or whatever else it is, you just lost, you know, that minute and a half extra you needed in air, that suddenly you, your hands are moving a lot faster. <laughs> right. I mean, what if I have to sneeze? I don't know. You know, it's, you, you, I've never sneezed underwater, but what if it happened? I mean, those things go through my head. But, and you're right. I, I don't, I hate to say it because I love the art of magic as a whole, but I don't think it's just magic. I think a lot of live entertainment on many levels is a dying art is that who's going to carry it on? I mean, I think of that as I'm getting closer to 40. You know, I'm 36, I don't mind saying it. And But if I'm 40 and I'm looking at these younger guys who I grew up watching the big stuff on TV, the people getting cut in half, levitating 8 right. feet, 12 feet in the air. And now the generation that's come up next, not that there's anything wrong with this, they grew up with the Chris Angels and the David Blaines that are doing TV specials, walking around doing strolling magic, which, you know, us guys out there doing the big boxes or whatnot, you know, the big effects, we do the small stuff as well, but that's what some of those people have only grown up seeing. I'm amazed. You know, the most cliche trick, cutting a woman in half, or let's just say cutting a person in half, because let's be equal opportunity here. I mean, <laughs> it, it, I mean, in my show, we actually now cut me in half with no boxes. And so I lay down on a table, we have a big giant, um, it's an Ulu looking knife. It's, it's huge though, it's like four feet wide. And it chops me in half. So it's amazing to me that the amount of people that have never in their life seen someone getting cut in half. And not just kids, though. Even people my age. They've never seen it live. Maybe they've seen it on TV, but some have never seen it. So, you know, like even with music, sometimes the newest songs that come out are actually an old song that's just been redone. Right. I do a couple different versions of Cutting a Girl in Half. We have one that we created ourselves. We have the one that I get cut in half uh, with no boxes on the table. And then I actually have the original, not the actual original box, but we replicated it to show how it was intended to be performed back in the 1920s. And so everyone thinks that's a really cool version. They don't realize that version of the effect is actually the original because they're like, man, that's a cool new way of doing it. Well, it's actually, it's the trip. original way. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, so, you know, that's that whole everything that's new is really old or everything that's old is new again at some point. Right. But, right. yeah, it, I mean, I got off track, I guess, but the point is, is that it, I, I see it as a potentially dying art. I mean, we got uh, 
voted that we were the largest traveling magic show in 45 states. And that's, that was kind of cool, and, but I'll be very honest. I mean, it looks great on a, on a headline, and then I got to thinking, well, I think that part of the reason we got that is, yes, we, we try and have a large show, and I try and be very humble about it, but is that my goal is I want the big production, but how many people are out there doing this? I mean, there are so many people that are trying to do and doing well with close-up magic and sleight-of-hand magic and TV specials featuring close-up magic that that people don't even realize that there is the bigger stuff. Um, you know, it's just, it's amazing. I'm from a small town, you know, I'm from a town of 1,200 people. So they've not seen many large illusion shows where people are floating in the air. Is that they assume it's all camera tricks and I have to try and explain. Now, if you come out to our show, you'll see this just like it was on TV is that she's going to float up about 12 feet in the air right in front of you. And so, you know, and of course, another competition we have is as special effects for movies gets better. It's not so unusual for people to see someone floating. I mean, when I was a kid, yeah, there was the Superman with Christopher Reeves and they did a great job with that. Of You know, their big tagline was, you will believe a man can fly. Right. But at the same time is there wasn't, I mean, even if you went to see a play like a Peter Pan, let's say, you know, they weren't trying to hide any wires and, you know, everyone is so quick to say wires for making a person float. And it's like, well, you know, live, you normally would see that type of stuff. So then you have like the math magician that says, oh, they use a forklift. And I think that's <laughs> hilarious because I wish I owned a forklift because I'm loading and unloading three trailers, a 24 foot, a 16 foot and a, a 32 foot trailer. So I'm like, if we had a forklift, it would be a heck of a lot easier to get into some of these performing arts centers. But no, that's not how she floats. I promise. And your back uh, would be we, a whole, your back would be a whole lot better. <laughs> well, exactly. I wouldn't have the herniated discs to prove my age. But yeah. <laughs> yeah, but let so. me ask you a question on that part of this, it. and it's a great part, is you know that I know, you know, and coming from professional sports and people always wanted to show the shortcuts and stuff. You know, it's funny. I I, I think you're going back to what you just said. You know, Penn and Teller had that show on of how, how, you know, if they could see their mistakes and stuff, or they guessed how it was done or whatever. And I think you just right. pointed out a, a big deal of, you know, the recognition that sometimes a, a, a fellow magician says, oh, it really wasn't done that way. And they enjoy it. You know, I, I've seen them, Penn and Teller, go, wow, we thought it was going <clears throat> be done like this, and it wasn't. And, and the enjoyment and the pop that I saw just in – the two of them enjoying a trick that they thought they knew backwards, but the guy did it different. So I love to hear when, you know, you, you kind of brought that up and you, somebody says, oh, man, I thought it was this way. And like like the cut in half person, you know, you said you don't have the box and everything else. See, now I want to see that. When right. cut you I'll in half, a link. <laughs> I want to see that. You know, the wires thing, by the way, I've been up on wires. You know, that's not as easy as it looks. So that's a whole other day. But I mean, All right. You right. Know, but cutting, cutting you in a, in a, in a half without the box, that intrigued the hell out of me right there, man. Johnny, I wanted to sit well, there and say, I, I want to see that right there myself. Well, I'm not like, a, I'm not a big guy, but I am a tall guy. So I think that also is something that, I, well, we, I've heard it from the audience members at the meet and greet after the show or whatnot, is they're like, okay, you have this beautiful assistant in the show, you stuck her in a box, you stuck swords or spikes or whatever we did. He goes, I can tell you how you made her disappear. And I said, how? And they go over there and they go, look at her. She's Five foot nothing. She turned sideways. She basically just disappeared. 
And I'm like, I get your joke. Yeah, she's a tiny girl. Maybe she can contort, you know, whatever. Right. But then they go, but you, you're you're what? And they always say, like, what? You're 6'1 or so? And I'm like, I'm actually 6'4. <laughs> and, uh, and with my show shoes, I'm like 6'5. Not on purpose. It's just they got a little bit of a platform. Right. And so I'm like, they're like, you got this 6'4, 6'5 guy. Where where could my body possibly be? Beside, you know, and I'm laying down on this table. as I'm trying to make it look as impossible as, as I can. And, uh, so I think it's, that's one of the reasons I like doing the effect to myself is they say, okay, a five foot tall girl. Yeah. She might be able to twist. You take a 36 year old that, uh, has a little bit of COVID weight in a dad body <laughs> at six foot four. It's where did he go? How did he do that? And so I don't know, uh, a friend of mine actually the other day said, you know, I don't like a certain trick you do. I said, well, why is that? And he goes, it seems impossible. I said, and I was like, well, that's my job. Is, is to try and make it look, I don't even understand what that comment was. And he just said to me, he goes, well, you know what I mean. I still to this day don't know what he means. I, I mean, I take that as a compliment, but he doesn't like the trick. Maybe it's because it upsets him, you know, that he doesn't know how it's done and it bothers him. Yeah, I mean, sometimes uh, but, that's the idea. I mean, you know, I, I would sit there, you know, and I know, you know, when you come to town, uh, you know, or, or we get caught up, I, I know I'm going to sit there and I'm going to look at that, you know, and, and I do know a lot of tricks and illusions, but, you know, there's a lot of us that think, oh, man, how the hell did they do that, you know? And that's why I have such a huge respect for it done so fluently. Now, as a matter of fact, speaking of which, by the way, where can everybody find you on social media? All right, well, uh, my biggest thing is my Facebook page because I like to do a lot of live videos when I can. In fact, we just did a live video when the quarantine first started, but we're going to do another one. But if you go to facebook.com slash the Johnny Magic, so T-H-E-J-O-H-N-N-Y-M-A-G-I-C, so the Johnny Magic, and then on Instagram it's also the Johnny Magic, and Twitter, which I don't do a whole lot on Twitter. I'm trying to get into that because supposedly everyone talks about it so much, and <laughs> is it's Johnny Magic Live. But uh, but if you go to the Facebook, I link it all together with that, and also my website is thejohnnymagic.com. So like the one and only Johnny Magic. But gotcha, that's, that's the best place. And where can, and, and as far as the fact of where do they contact you if they want to book you for a show or a tour or whatever, because I know you and I talked about this and you're working on putting things together. And so when you can actually lay out a tour, hopefully soon. So I know you're planning right. this. So where can they contact you to get book you for a show? They can go either through the Facebook page. It actually links to, and then someone relays the message to me or to our manager and then at the same time, is also through the website, there is a contact page there that sends an email out to us. So either one of those is great. Uh, we also have a phone number on the Facebook page. If someone wants to directly talk to somebody about booking us, the phone number is on the Facebook page. And that way uh, they'll talk to somebody. And, you know, I have no problem. Sometimes I like even cutting out the middleman. Not, you know, financially in any way like that is I'm not trying to screw some agent or whatnot, but... If your event or venue has specific requirements, I like to know. If you're wanting to do a corporate party for, you know, whatever corporation it is, I don't want to name anybody, because, uh, but let's say we get hired for your event. I need to know certain specifications. What are you wanting? Like when we do a corporate event, my goal is I don't want you to hire us, bring us in for your corporate party for a couple thousand people, and then walk away and say, man, that corporate party was great. We love the magic show. That's not my goal. Uh, my goal is I want them to say, man, that was the best corporate party we've ever had. Because ultimately, you're not bringing me in as, you know, hey, here's a magic show, enjoy. The goal, 
would be that it's bringing your whole company as a group. Let's say you have many different divisions. Say you have the warehouse crew, you have the salesmen, you have the top executives. If you can get something that unites every element of the company as one, that's what we want to do. So we try and use the show. I try and even make small suggestions of things that have worked in the past. I think a big thing is name tags. As corny as it might sound, but if you're doing a corporate event, how many people don't even know the person that, you know, they make this great sale and the salesman does it, but doesn't know who's actually processing all the stuff that they sold. So it helps them all kind of get to know each other. And like I said, it might sound corny, but the goal is, hey, you're doing a corporate party to unite and show thanks to your people. So give them some entertainment, give them something that will unite them. But let's really make your group feel like, um, you know, appreciate each other and feel like one, like a true team. And so that's what we'd like to do with our corporate events. So that's where I have no problem if you call. We can push it right through and you can talk with me directly and I can tell you my ideas mixed with your ideas and we can customize your event for you. So. I love that. that that's and, that and that's really awesome. And you do travel the country normally and you're going to be booking that and doing that again. And, yes, sir. Uh, you know, and, that, and that's awesome. And, and one more time also, please plug the show coming up that you're going to be on. Yeah, that's going to be it's called Joe Exotic Before He Was King. It's going to be on June 7th, so that should be coming up real soon. Uh, it's going to be on Discovery ID. I don't know the time. Uh, investigation Discovery slash Discovery ID. But I don't have the time, but they should be advertising that very soon. And so I just know it's on June 7th. So check it out. Um, I think it'll, it'll be an interesting thing for those that want to know more about the Joe Exotic story and also know my connection with all that. In fact, I myself, I was interested. I Googled Joe Exotic Johnny Magic. And I could not believe all the different things that had us mentioned. And I was like, okay, I think it's time that I give my side of the story because there are things out there. There wasn't much negative on people's interviews and things, but it just talked about things. And then I was like, well, that actually never even happened. It, it's not even reflecting me in a negative way, but I'm like, here's the truth of what really happened. And so hopefully this will this will help uh, answer some of those questions and then also answer other questions of, from what I've gathered, they're interviewing other people that are, you know, went to school with Joe. So you get the idea of his upbringing and how he became Tiger King, if you will. So well, I, I, I think it'll be a great I, I, show. If I can ask you this real quick on that part of it is, and I, and I hope that, um, you know, uh, and this is cool because I forget because we had this conversation, but you know when that name was created, right? That's right. And I go into that in the show on Discovery ID is that I was there for the naming of Joe Exotic. I, and I, so don't, that's, don't give it up. Don't give it up. I appreciate yeah, that. Yep. Please don't give it up. I appreciate yep. it because I know the story, but I wanted you to so that you guys could go check out on Discovery ID on June the 7th. You guys go check it out and you'll find out even how the, the Joe Exotic name came to be. And that's yes. a great hook, right? <laughs> right. No spoilers. No spoilers. Yeah, tune in and check it out. And I, I think it'll be great. I think people will really enjoy it. And, uh, I, yeah, I, like I said, I, yeah, and like you said, I don't want to give too much away there. Is I think it, it's, it's an interesting way of telling the story, and it's a very, uh, it's a very factual way, which I think is, is kind of needed. Um, and hopefully people will appreciate that. And then they can form their own judgments or decisions or their own thoughts on it. And, you know, I still know some people that refuse to watch Tiger King. And, but, you know, I watched it all because someone said, hey, you're in it. I said, what? So, 
So I wanted to, I wanted to see and be ready to defend anything. And I was like, well, I was barely in it, but it was still, it was enough that it got some hate mail, but a lot of people that were actually really nice too. And, you know, a lot of people were supportive. A lot of our fans and followers of, Hey, I'm glad you got away from there before it got crazy. And so, and that's really cool too. Uh, and, that, and that's really cool too. But ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Johnny magic, taking the time right now, you check him out on June the 7th on discovery ID channel. Um, before he was uh, Tiger King, you check out yes. him on the Johnny Magic on what everything, right? Pretty much, yes. Uh, Facebook, Instagram, uh, and it all links. All of them have all my YouTube and everything, so you can track me down however you want and keep up to date and see our live shows that we'll be posting uh, if the quarantine continues, or you can see if we're coming to a town near you and then come out, and or if you're looking to do a fundraiser or a corporate event, we're more than happy to talk to you about doing that as well. So. You guys go check him out. Johnny Magic, thank you so much, my friend. I really thank for being you so on much. It's been a true pleasure, and I hope you come on in the future. Oh, I hope so, too. Well, I'll have to let you know how the underwater thing goes. <laughs> I hope it goes well. Thank you, my friend. I, I do, too. Johnny right, Magic so on the Lifebox Media Channel Radio Podcast. You have a great day, buddy. All right, you too. Take care.